across the Spider-Verse blew everybody away, like right out of the gate. I do have some questions. I'm actually going to be more questioning on this because I think I went in with very, very high expectations and then I brought got brought to a normal level of expectation and I'm trying to build my way back up. So B-Rose, I'm going to let you start on your first thoughts, first screening across the Spider-Verse. Part two of three, I guess. Do we want to throw a spoilers thing, a spoilers thing up there, just in case? But I think everybody knew this was going to be a trilogy, right? Well, I mean, they announced it originally that it was going to be across the Spider Verse Part One and Part Two, and then they ended up correcting that and, and making it across the Spider Verse, and then we're going to have our third film beyond the Spider Verse. So I know, at least in the screenings that I've been to. Um, the first one was kind of just like, oh, it's part, okay. And the one I went to last night was just pure anger. Really? At all these kids. Kids furious that there was a, a to be continued at the end of the film. And oh, so really? It was kind of fun watching that after <laughs> listening to them yell and talk throughout the movie. Then they were so upset. So it was kind of like a, a karma moment for me. I was like, oh, I'm glad you're upset because you talked throughout the whole movie. This generation, man, they just cannot handle cliffhangers. Mm. It's just, they just can't handle it. The, the right now generation, they can't well, do it. Well, we're so used to, you know, watching the next title on streaming and stuff like that, that people have forgotten it. You know, so, like I'm having this conversation with my daughter a lot is, you know, we just watched all of Buffy and Angel and we're watching some other shows and I'm like, you don't understand how rough it was when like a great episode ends. And even if it's not like a part two, if there's just a cliffhanger at the end of the story, like having to wait a week or even a month, yeah. if there was like a break, I, I told her, I was like, you just don't understand what that's like. And she's starting to get it now because she finds these little shows that she likes that are only on like season one or two and she binges through it and then she gets really upset because it's, the new season's not out yet. <laughs> so, but I mean, there were, yeah, there were a lot of kids last night angry. Um, I've seen it twice so far. I have just been, it's probably going to end up being my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, I'm just blown I've, away. I've seen it twice as well. Um, it's amazing. Like just from, from the get go, like a, it, it start like that whole um, Gwen pre pre cold open is uh it felt a little long in the moment i was gonna I was say like, that was like it? 20 minutes it's right? like that's really long but then you know when that opening title hits like i said it's so dope uh the the best opening title music of any movie franchise right now that's going on um yeah just it just took everything from the first movie and ramped it up to 10 yeah and i don't i just I, the script was great the 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 Characters were great. Uh, every just every small detail in the animation is just amazing. You know, personally, I didn't mind the Gwen intro even being long again because she's one of my favorite characters. Do you really um, say that? But also, the movie itself was almost two and a half hours. Yeah, long. I mean, any, yeah. I, I, like every movie that comes out, I think they should shave off twenty minutes just right <laughs> off the top. But I mean, like, it is. with a movie like this, I've said this quite a few times. Both of these movies are far better movies than we deserve. These movies are just. Just a, they're really just amazing movies, and I remember when the first one came out, and we started like nobody really knew what it was going to be. And those first trailers dropped. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting," but it was I still wasn't a hundred percent sold on it because it was so the animation style was so unique. But I remember sitting in that first screening for the first film, and afterwards I was just like, "That is one of the greatest superhero movies," but just one of a great film period. Yeah, I know. And so for me, this one honestly like. Because it wasn't burdened with having to set up 
the hero's story in a way, even though it still does, it builds on it. It didn't have to do that origin story. Um, I think it allowed it to give Gwen her time, which I really enjoyed. But I think that it kind of, they were able to focus more on just expanding that universe. And so I'm honestly surprised the film was as long as it was. I was expecting, since they don't have to build an origin story, they can kind of shave it back a little bit. But with where they're going, they're kind of building this as like an epic trilogy. So I really, you know, I liked the runtime. I mean, there are some slow moments on it, but I really, outside of the kids yelling things during those moments at my screening I was at last night, I really enjoyed even those slow beats. There's, It's done a good job of taking its time to really do what most superhero movies don't. It's not just trying to find out when the next action beat is. It takes its time, and it's got some really nice story and character-building moments in it. I think origin stories are dead. I don't think people can do origin stories anymore. I think you have to find a new creative way to do origin stories, because you're right, that gave this film the ability to just jump right in. And I think everybody's ready for you to just jump right in. I I was trying to think, you know, I was talking to my son when we saw it afterwards, like, what was the last, was Shang-Chi the last origin story? film that we got I mean technically between Shang-Chi and then Black Widow kind of serves as an origin story for the MCU yeah um, so but I mean Marvel has kind of proven too that you don't necessarily need to because like with Spider-Man no. with the original with the t- first Tom Holland Homecoming Spider-Man good point we don't see Uncle Ben at all he's not even he's barely mentioned yeah and so they did a good job of not of realizing they didn't have to d- they didn't have to do that. And we saw it a little bit with, you know, the recent Batmans. You don't have yep. to, we don't need the same shot of Martha the Pearls hitting the ground when they're at mugged and stuff like that. It's yeah, been done so much it. that people just know the story. And there's other ways of telling that origin story without having to make it the whole movie. Like Black Panther was another one where you got, they introduce him in an earlier movie and then you just get the flashes of the origin story. I think that's the way to go. I think, you know, he, who's in trouble? Pixar animation and every other animation company out there doing stuff right now. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I, well, when I sat through the second, the time I watched across the spider verse there, every trailer for every animated movie that's coming out other than this is like some blue floopy thing. Right. And it's just like barely even a humanistic character. It's just some gobbledygook with clothes on, you know? Yeah. Uh, I just think that style of animation is is going out the window. Well, I think at least in terms of like Pixar specifically, I think Pixar they've always done animation really well. But I think deep down, the heart of Pixar has always been their stories. So I think they're going to get a pass in terms of they're going to be. I think they're going to be fine. I don't think people are going to want to see that as much anymore. I think that this style is going to filter its way into oh, everything Oh, I see. Else. So you're taking over kind of like going from like classic animation when we went to CGI. You think this type of very cerebral animation where like the movements match the color, match the sound, like everything in one. So you think this is going to be the new style? Yeah, it's got more like of a postmodern kind of feel. That, because that the, the latest put, Puss in Boots was like that as well. Yeah, and then that's what we're seeing now with the new uh, Ninja Turtles movie. The Ninja it's, Turtles, it's yes. style. yeah, not, you're right. Not, photorealistic animation is what I'm saying. Is like, I don't think that's going to be the way. People, that's not going to be what folks are going to want to see anymore. And I wouldn't be surprised if Pixar does a shift away from that because I mean they have focused on hyper real, but they've shown that they can do the exact opposite. Like if you've ever watched the night and day short, 
The Night and Day Short is almost strictly 2D animated with with computer elements and was fantastic. And they've done a lot of shorts where, especially if you look on Disney+, Plus, you can see some of the Spark shorts and things that they've oh, done. Yep. And it's a very mix of animation styles. I think it's going to take them... I mean, because they are they're, they're, It takes so long to make a Pixar movie that they've got. They're already in production, and so I think that now that this kind of Spider Verse animation style is starting to kind of take over, I think you'll see. We're seeing it with Turtles. We saw it with Puss in Boots. I think we'll start seeing it with Pixar and some of the other studios as well. They'll start adopting kind of that variable style and match the style. Yeah, because this is probably the first uh, animation style that you can hear. You know, Spider Punk really did drive that home who probably i think spider punk probably stole the show for a lot of people they didn't see that coming but like even when he would just like hit his guitar or anything and the animation would match whatever noise was happening well that's the thing too i was, I was reading today about they've been doing a lot of press for it and talking about that and him specifically he was one of the hardest things to animate they literally spent four years <laughs> developing the animation for him because it's a completely unique style and it's it breaks a lot of the rules of animation where you know certain parts of his body uh, they change they have like different frame rates yeah so when he's walking and things are moving and, and they did it to kind of go off that kind of punk rock poster style to where certain parts of him will be in color and others won't and then certain will be you know moving at a different pace and a different style and will glitch because it's it's moving at that different kind of frame rate to kind of give that kind of punk rock vibe to it but it took them almost this entire time to actually get the animation down to where it looked smooth for it. Yeah, and that and a hundred percent, I know exactly what you're talking. They even did that in the very beginning, just the year, like the like the title cards, right? When they started going to the Marvel title cards and they started jumping between generations. Uh, our buddy Lee Mario, he's the first one that noticed it. Like when you, whenever you're. For the first one, he told me, he's like, yeah, whenever they go into a different character or a different setting, you can see the subtle change, but they still kind of blended it to, like, they stitched it together. Two completely disparaging pieces were stitched together to make it feel like it was one piece. So yeah. I think this animation, hands down, it's so cutting edge. I think the animation and the music is what really, really put it over the, the music top. is great the score and uh you know the uh the soundtrack yeah both are bangers but i mean like honestly when when you the the opening trailers for this movie there was two animated trailers i saw and i felt like they were both just for just some random blue creatures i think one was a droplet oh. of water oh the elementals so the yeah. Elemental, yeah, the elemental. and then elementals. there was another one where it was some random blue creature that turned into a monster or something uh i think well in, in my screening we saw the trailer for elemental yeah, we saw um it. which like look I'll, I'll watch anything pixar does i don't care to me it seems they're with that movie this specifically they're kind of going in to where they've gone before with inside out with the um where all the emotions had different kind of personalities um and then the other one that had kind of a blue creature for me was uh the trailer for the disney film wish where it's got a little, um, almost like a wisp from Brave that is spreading the little wish dust and makes the goat start talking. No, there's another one where it's like an undersea creature that's blue uh, and turns into a kraken. Oh. Did you not see this one? I don't one? think I saw that Anyway, one. all I'm saying is these movies look, these animated films just look remedial. They look like they're for babies. I don't know any teenager that would want to see that over something like Into the Spider-Verse. No, I think you're right. Uh, I, it's just, I just think that these, they're, and they, they're just, 
I think like in, Into the Spider Verse is done, or Across the Spider Verse is done more artfully than these films. You know, yeah. for sure. I agree with that. Well, it's I'm, nice. It's nice too because it's different art styles all thrown together, and so like because my favorite thing is watching how going into every single universe, you kind of expect. I mean, we saw it a little bit with. Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness where each universe has its own unique look. But this one was way more intense because it's not even just a look, it's a completely different style yeah. of how the animation works. You know, going into um, uh, into the Indian, the Mumbatan one, had more of an old like comic page style, whereas Gwyn's World, which I loved, was almost like a living watercolor painting. Yeah. Where you could see the, the colors blend and even on them, they're like her hair would change colors and her clothing would change colors from cut to cut. So it looked like a living painting the whole time. And then you pop out and you have the Lego world and things like that. So I love that they gave each world its own distinct style of animation as well. Too. And this is what I, I mean, yeah. like, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the Dr. Strange one, we really don't get any sense that we pass through other worlds. Like when, in that one scene we go through the multiverse, it's like you, get a split second of a different world. Yeah. When they actually land in a different world, it's like the only difference is, uh, oh, stop means go and go means stop. And pizza yeah. papa's got Pe- pizza balls. Pizzas <laughs> eat pizza in ball form. That's the only difference. You're right. I think... Uh, what, what? So what was it, Jeff? You said this, this movie didn't really grab you? It's not that it didn't grab me. I just had a lot more... I expected... I had a really high bar going in. But I guess I had a concern just because I haven't fully broken away that I have trust issues with Sony. And I've seen Sony mess up live action. And now they have Spider-Man and they're killing it with Spider-Verse. And my fear, and I, it, I was really thinking about this. I'm like, what's, what's sticking in my craw about this movie? That's like, I feel like something is off. And I feel like they realized they, they did it. It's a success. That's not the question. I feel like they're trying to now break away from Marvel. I know they touched it. I know they touched MCU and they're like, they had the the sacred timeline and they called it out saying, you know, don't even get me started on Doctor Strange and that nerd on one nine 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 nine. But don't, do you feel like they're going to take this? I'm more worried about the corporate side of it rather than the movie side of it, that they're going to try to use this to get further away from Marvel where we should be getting closer to Marvel because you showed what you can do with the Spider-Man live action. You know, it took Kevin Feige to show you how good Andrew Garfield could be. You had him, you didn't do it. So there's a part of me that's just nervous that they're going to mess this up and they're going to get away from Marvel when they need to. I'm not saying give up your rights. Of course, you're going to, you have a death hold on Spider-Man's rights and you're not going to give it up. And if you're going to keep doing stuff like Spider-Verse, Cool, then do that. But do still do not say I have I'm I'm afraid they're gonna go to Marvel and say we don't need you anymore. And to me, I got really I got more emotional and far from home than I did in this because again, Spider Man's like my favorite Marvel character, so I'm just nervous that they're gonna they're gonna screw this up. Well I, I think I don't I don't think they really need Marvel for this one. And I think they've uh, I think they may have seen that because, you know, Feige really hasn't had anything to do with these movies at no. all. Mm-mm. I think the saving grace has been Lord and Miller. Yeah. They have been... We, they, and they're phenomenal. They're and, great. And they've been the, the kind of the Feige for this series from the very beginning, even though this one they didn't direct or, any, or anything like that. But I think they have such a a good head about what works and what doesn't. 
And I think honestly, like, because that first Lego movie is is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. The second one, not as much, but still good. But I think they've been really good as well about learning what works and what doesn't work and applying it elsewhere. I think as long as Sony allows them to remain at the head of this, then it's going to be okay. Um, I honestly, though, I'm almost, I'm curious to how long they're going to try and push it. I know we're getting a third film and I almost kind of think like as much as I love them, I almost want a nice contact or whatever the word I'm looking for, a compact trilogy. Yeah. I want a nice trilogy that starts well, goes through it and then ends well. Yeah. And I don't need 17 of them. No. So I almost hope that they go away from Marvel in that way where, I don't need a bunch of sequels. As long as the story's contained, it's good. I, I, if they want to do four or five, I'll go watch four or five. <laughs> but I think that they've done a good job with at least this. And it's, I don't know how much the Sony movie side works with the animation side strictly. But I do know for sure that they've talked about, too, like even getting that line in about Doctor Strange and the Nerd. They didn't clear that with Feige. They even said, like, you know, Kevin's said that he likes the first movie. We don't think that it's something we would have to ask him yeah. because the whole rising tide raises all ships right, kind right, of thing. Exactly. So they really haven't had a whole lot to do in terms of like with Feige specifically on this. So I think the live action, they absolutely need to kind of keep him around that they need that. Yeah. But I think with the animation, I think that bringing in Lord and Miller and having that unique take on it has been just perfect for them. And it so, saved them from like people just, storming the castle and saying give up the rights you don't know what to do with it you know whether it's venom you know craven coming out like or morbius right they they prove that they you know even marvel's struggling right now so they have this and it's really successful and it and rightfully so it's the best superhero animation probably ever right for sure i think it's the best superhero movie you really think all, you think that out of all of yeah for wow. sure I really do think that and I'm gonna tell you this I think you should cut Sony some slack with those really bad movies because I think there's other things that go on uh, and correct me if I'm wrong B Rose I'm pretty sure they have to crank out those crappy movies or they will lose the rights yeah they do it's every they, couple of years they have to have something yeah that was one of the things that was especially well it, it kind of de- so they have to do that and we saw it happen with Fox to where. Their movies were tanking so hard, and they just kept pushing them out, which is why we got so many awful Fantastic Four movies. Yeah. Um, and even t- that's why they kept pushing out the X-Men, because they had the, that kind of contract. Um, Sony really got lucky. I mean, they were... It was... I love... I think the the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies are better than the Tobey Maguire ones, except for two. I think, the, I think Spider-Man 2 is probably the better one. I think... Andrew Garfield was the better Spider-Man. I thought he was. I thought he was way better than Tobey Maguire. Just being honest. Yeah. And so Fair. I thought they got lucky with that, even though that movie fell apart. And so I know that they were, they were working on a bunch of things. And so they really what saved them was Marvel was Marvel Studios. And so you know, it's kind of a tough thing. I like what they. I like the fact that they brought on. Feige and to help out with the the Spider-Man films, but I think they have a history of showing that they, when they think they know better, the movie isn't as good. Um, I don't think that the, I think the Venom movies were okay. I don't think they were as good as they could have been. Oh, no Um, way. No way. But I do, I I thought that Tom Hardy was a great inspired choice to do that. It was a great choice, yeah. But I don't think the movies serviced as well. 
So I think that I'm, I'm fine with Sony having Spider-Man and, and as long as they appreciate that. But I'm, I, my confidence is waning on all of the, the outside movies they're doing. Like, because they can't do Spider-Man 100% the way they want to, that they're building this live-action verse. So we're doing the Venoms, and we're doing the Craven, we're doing, you know, the Madam Web. Madam Web. Which I get, but in the end, I don't... They haven't shown me, historically, that they appreciate the IP enough to really give it what it needs. That's exactly the what The animation side here, they absolutely understand yeah and they understand what it needs to be and what it can be and i don't think that the live action for sony has has lived up to that and so my hope is that it could but i really don't know because even in the three spider-man that we have with tom holland those work because of marvel studios yeah i mean Um, they i'm fine if they go ahead and give the live action back to marvel i I, that's fine like whatever do whatever they obviously yeah they can't make really good uh Spider-Man side character spin-offs. It not it does just doesn't work out. It's not gonna work out. You know? Yeah. So give the live action to Marvel, do whatever. But these animated ones are just a, just a level above the Marvel films to me. Um they even though they're the they're animated and they're in this crazy style and all this stuff, and they even deal with multiverses, to me, this feels more grounded than any of the Spider-Man franchises to me. I think like the Raimi ones always felt like a wacky 1930s New York or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, the Andrew Garfield ones, I just I didn't really get into those, but those didn't feel like New York or anything like to me. This feels like a New York set family, yeah, uh, story. You know what I mean? It feels real to me, and the the emotions that come through here, uh, the uh, the way uh, you know when Miles has that long talk with his mom, he's like, I just want you to feel like anywhere you go, you belong there. You know what I mean? That was good. It's really good, and that it sets really up that conversation sets up so much in the plot of the film, you know. Yeah, uh, the whole the, what they're dealing with the whole Spider-Man uh, story, the the whole origin concept of an origin story, and whether or not you can change the origin story. There's just there's so much more depth to the writing going on here, you know. Well, there's a good yeah story that they're telling as well too about is trauma necessary to make a hero in the hit because every that hero, love. Every hero love. and villain we have is is motivated by trauma and that's kind of how it is for everybody but you know do these characters require that trauma to be who they are is i think is an interesting kind of touchstone of that is can you have batman without his parents dying can you have spider-man without uncle ben or that character dying captain stacy yeah um for me i'll say you know i haven't i haven't put Across the Spider Verse as my favorite superhero, as my best superhero movie of all time, it definitely broke into the, to my top three. I'll say it probably pushed Black Panther out of the top three for me personally, um, because my top three are going to be this, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Winter Soldier. Um, just in terms of solid solid films and, and the story, this one could honestly take it over eventually with more watchings because. The animation style is just gorgeous to watch. Yep. And I like the story. I think this one's it's gonna depend on how this third movie comes out. And like I think the, Stick the, the landing. The things that it's that it's getting at are just so much deeper than any of the sub any contacts in a Marvel other like MCU film. Like the whole idea of this kid, this New York kid who could go one way or the other. In an alternate universe, he's a supervillain. 
the death of his dad sends him into this supervillain mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where in the other one, he's a superhero. So it's just it's just presenting this thing that's a grounded, realistic story with superhero elements. It's telling it with superhero elements. You know? I'm curious with this because I was talking this about my about with my daughter. So we see in this alternate universe. Again, we've already put the spoiler alert up, so yeah, who cares? Yep. <laughs> so they've seen it. Yeah. So we see that in this alternate universe, that you know his dad has died, and now he's the prowler. And so I'm curious if it was the dad dying that did that, or if it was the absence of his dad and the influence of Aaron, his uncle, that turned him to more of a criminal. Because in the com, I mean, in the original films. You know, even though Uncle Aaron is a good guy, he's still a criminal. He's still the prowler. Yeah. So in this alternate universe, was it the actual, the trauma of his dad's death? Or was it just the absence of that morally good figure that allowed the influence of his uncle to kind of turn him bad? I think what you guys are saying right now is just really uh, a big reminder of, you know, we talked about the animation and the music as the story. What you're saying here, I don't think... Miles Morales would have survived an introduction into live action. So if Sony could, you know, fly their victory flag over many things over this, you know, trilogy, it's making sure Miles Morales will be cemented as a legacy and a canon character. I don't know if they would have introduced him in a live action movie and it would have been like in a Morbius movie, it, it would have almost turned him into like a joke because he's a newer version of Spider-Man. Now he's cemented. He's going to be this next generation's Spider-Man. And a lot of them was like Peter Parker, like Peter B. Parker, like it's going to be their Spider-Man and that's cool. And the other thing what you're talking about, you know, Mario, you reminded me how great this term they came up with where I, I feel like Marvel didn't do it yet was canon moments and i've already used it in like everyday conversations now thinking about canon moments like in your life that are these forks in the road that make us the people we are not only just in films but what we go in real life we all have these canon moments of making and that part of the story was fantastic like again i had no all my griefs were probably the business side of the griefs and almost kind of like I'm in disbelief that Sony was able to pull this off because this is, for lack of a better term, American anime done really, really well. We, you know, usually on this side of the, of the water, we're not making as good of anime as they do, you know, outside, outside of the U.S. This is the closest we ever got. Because it feels like that, like especially a lot of the fight scenes when like a lot of the, uh, what did they call it? They actually even, it was a little pop-up on the side right, uh, Hammer Space. Yeah, the Hammer Space. Hammer Space, where just like out of nowhere, you'll just get a weapon that's very anime yeah. <laughs> feeling. So again, Very, very Looney Tunes too. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> it definitely feels like anime for sure. I, you know, I never knew there were so many Spider-Verse options. <laughs> and like, I feel like the Sony, it, honestly... They do have their own uh, MCU just within the Spideyverse. Yeah, and that's what There's they're trying. all kinds of things they can do. And they've got all the Spider-Man characters that they can introduce in that. I think, I, I hope they just pump the brakes and let this play out before they try and move this into live action. Exactly. Well, they've already oh, started. Man. They've already announced that they're going to work on bringing a Miles Morales, a Miles Morales movie, a live action one. I, th which... I think, I think. It's scary without Feige. 
man, we'll see. Um, but like, I just feel like the, I, I I just feel like they should let this play out. I've got a whole other movie on deck. Third one's going to be huge. Oh, it's going to uh, do bonkers business. And you could do you've sure. got room here to do a Spider Gwen spinoff solo movie. Uh, I'm sure people want to see a Spider Ham movie or something like that. <laughs> There's stuff you can do in there. Um, just no rush to 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 make this live action, you know. The the guy who plays Miles Morales is not going to age out of the role. No, he's already he's already he's an already, adult. Yeah, so. he's already like in his thirties or something, and he <laughs> wants to play Miles in the movie. He's like, I'll be I'll be the live action guy. So it's and B Rose, you may know this. Mario may know it. I don't I don't know. This is the first I heard it. So there was that episode of Community that showed Donald Glover in a Spider Man shirt, and mm-hmm. that's what inspired the creation of Miles Morales. But then he kind of aged out of it. But then they still honored him by putting him first. They put him in the live action with Andrew Garfield, right? Where he played the uncle, right? Oh, Just, that was in Tom Holland one. Uh, Tom, oh, yeah. that was in Tom Holland one? Yeah, did? that was in Homecoming. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that was yeah, in there. Yeah, he's the Prowler. Yeah. So he was in there. The first Prowler. And then I saw a scene where they were actually watching that episode of Community in Across the Spider-Verse. Did you see that? Yep. It was on the TV. And then, of course, we got the cameo where he was the Prowler in, in this as well. So the the episode of Community where he dresses up like that, it didn't necessarily, you know, influence the creation of Miles because he was already around at that point. Um, that started the campaign for Donald Glover to play oh, Miles Morales. Okay. Even though he was already kind of in, he was already an adult in Community. Um, that was where everyone was like, oh, he'd be a great because everyone saw him in a Spider-Man outfit. Like he needs to play Miles Morales, right? <laughs> and you know, he was kind of down for that, but he also admitted, like, well, I'm a, I'm a little old for that already because in the <laughs> even in the comics, he's a young teen. Yeah. Um, so that kind of aged him out, but that's why I loved it when he popped up in Homecoming as Uncle Aaron, and he th- it's just a throwaway line because he never even shows himself as Prowler. He's literally just an arms dealer right. who mentions that he has an he has a, a nephew who lives in the area. And we le- and you hear his name, so it's like, oh, that's got to be Miles's. If they ever did want to bring it in, they could. E- he's kind of the gateway for it. So seeing him pop up as one of the greatest cameos in there oh, yeah. was just fantastic. I even, w- during the first screening, I, it, it happens, and I was just like, oh, that's so nice. And my daughter's like, what? Because she didn't get it because I mean, she's 12, so she doesn't get that. <laughs> but then I, we talked about it, and so when we went and saw it last night, she goes, that's the one, right? I'm like, yeah, that's, that's him from the Spider-Man and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> And again, that's a that's I guess what's a little bit worried me. I don't want them to DC this. Where DC, where you kind of get fractured into all these different universes and stuff. Where I don't want them to get so big for their britches that they realize that they they think they can just go create this Spider Verse without. We spent a lot of years. Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau getting everything in the same playpen, and it's like you just got this one kitten. That's going to just hop out. And it just happens to be the most important kitten in the whole in the whole thing is the Spider-Man kitten. And I just don't want them to mess that up. I kind of have a feeling that there's You're a really hard that- on Sony. Jeff. I'm nervous. I mean, <laughs> Give Sony, him a break. Sony is great for Quentin Tarantino movies, but I'm just I'm just really nervous after. And look, I didn't even hate Morbius. I was one of the few that I walked out. I was like, it, it was fine. It was it was Morbius. But a lot of. Times it doesn't matter what I like or dislike. It just matters what the general public thinks. And then that means I'm going to get more or less of the films I like. I mean, I really do. I think that there's a a very good chance that Sony is going to say, screw it, we can do this on our own. And they're going to try and do that, which is, you know, it is whatever. I think, though, that 
with this, especially with this third film coming out, if they do more, great. If they stop at three, great. But I think that these three movies specifically are going to be good enough to where it's not going to tarnish. It's not going to be any less, no matter what Sony does. Because no, no. same thing with DC. Like we've had some awful DC movies, but it doesn't take away from the Nolan Batman movies. Very true. Very so true. you know, I think that these three movies can live on their own. And if that's what ends up happening, then that's okay with me. I'd like it if they didn't ruin it, but I mean, in the end, it's they're going to do what they're going to do regardless. Yeah, so I'm hoping that they've it. that they've started learning that they because they can do it. They can do it without Marvel as long as they don't just have that ego about the Marvel way was the wrong way. Yeah, I think that there's enough smart people at Sony, especially if, especially if, like right now we have. Lord Miller in charge of this, and you have Amy Pascal in charge of doing all this. If you want to let Lord Miller take a shot at a live action, which they've shown they can do live action, maybe let them and see what they can come up with. That I would be okay with. I would be if those if those were the guys that were taking a swing, then you know you're going to be okay. I just don't want them to like randomly do like they did in that Morbius cutscene. You know when the vulture just kind of gets pulled over. <laughs> I just don't want to see that. I think they could do a perfectly fine Miles Morales Spider-Man universe. Uh, Sony could, if uh, you know, if they have the right people behind it. Uh, the only thing you wouldn't get is any of the... You can't have Captain America in there. You no. wouldn't have any of that. Maybe eventually you'd get somebody to cross over, but I think they own all the Spider-Man villains, you know, all the Spider-Man characters. Why couldn't you make a perfectly flushed-out Spider-Man universe there? And I think if, you, and if, if they focused on the Miles side of it, I think you could absolutely... You wouldn't miss Captain America because no, no one's no one's looking for Iron Man and Captain America in these Spider-Man animated films. No. So I think if you build them that universe, you can keep it separate from the MCU and still, you know, make it good again if you have the right people behind it. Yeah, and that's why I don't think the MCU necessarily needs Miles in it. I think they work well with for having sure. Peter, and then they could be their own separate things. I do like that. I do like the idea of just like it could be dotted lines. It doesn't have to be solid lines because these. The two movies, and I'm assuming I'll I'll throw the third one in there, uh, sight unseen, because the first two are there. These are good enough that I feel like they should be adopted into MCU canon. You know, not looked at like, well, MC, you know, Marvel Studios didn't really make that. It was an association with, so it wasn't, so it's not canon. I think the opposite. I think these are good enough that Marvel should say, yes, this is part of our canon and work around that. And then again, I'm just looking for the collaboration there. I'm not saying make everything together. I'm not even saying throw these cameos, you know, in these other movies. I just like, just acknowledge it, that it, that exists and not in the lame way, not like, and Marvel, even a way proven that sometimes corporations weren't, wouldn't do this, right? Because the Netflix level one they acknowledged the, like the battle of new york but they didn't really like embrace it i just like say that it exists pay your pay your dues to to keep the rights and then just go about your business and make some great animation because i don't think mcu has any animation that can touch this that's cinematic right i mean on this level no i think that the what if series yeah did a fantastic job and it was again that was animation that didn't look like that's true yeah too perfect i think it was i think that what if was a nice introduction to them trying an animation style that could kind of not maybe match this but be similar to it 
um, and they showed that they could still tell a good story with it. Um, so, I mean, they've shown that they are willing to take that kind of chance and try it. Um, but, I mean, I think that Sony so far, at least with these two films, have shown that they're willing to experiment and, and really kind of try anything to, and see what works. And they've shown that they're willing to try literally anything. And, oh, and it worked. Yeah. I mean, I you cannot deny how much they honored the Spider-Man universe in every way, shape or form in these four films. Like I was just, I spent hours on YouTube watching like every Spider-Man cameo and then the backstory and then what comic book they came just like the random ones popping up, like on screen crush, heavy spoilers. They're really showing like this Spider-Man was from here and this Spider-Man was here. Like, wow, they really went back and hit all the spider every Spider-Man that they could. So you can't, say that they did wrong by the brand in this film at all i can't just say it again i'm just more i should just enjoy the moment and not worry about what sony could do <laughs> uh, i gotta ask this though you know going back onto the story you know so we had kingpin in the first one and then the second one we had spot do you guys feel like either one of those is the big bad or does, do you have to have an overarching big bad to kind of pull this together? Jeff, I think you, you, you've been Marvelized, MCU'd. <laughs> I feel like not everything has to be, it has to be like an MCU. I, f I feel like um, there doesn't need to be an overarching bad because it's like an, it's an evolving story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like the, the, overarching, the overarching story here is, is like Miles' acceptance of who he is and who, he's, who he can become. That's, yeah, that's time is the big bad. You know what I mean? That's good. Yeah, I can I can behind that because I was just like looking at spot and I just felt like I told I told my son I was like I see a baby face turn. He's too nice to be to be the big bad. I feel like he's going to have a baby face turn in the last one. I don't feel like he's going to have the big bad and maybe it is me. Like maybe I'm like who is the and it could be time. I, I can accept that as the big bad time. That's wild that you got that vibe because I th I think he's going to be the biggest heel of all time. Really? I know I got. It's he's like, turned. No. He's tur like he he is coming from a place of genuine anger, and I thought you felt that build throughout the movie. He starts off at this as this goofy character, and he is. He looks like a Dalmatian or whatever, um, and he's he's played by Jason Schwartzman, like for comedic uh, purposes. But throughout the movie, as he gets angrier and it starts to build. He becomes a genuine heel, and you see the animation change with that yeah. as well too. He yeah, starts he had becoming like sharper edges. Yeah, sharper edges, and that. it's a lot more grungy and stuff like that. I think honestly, I think they've done a really interesting thing with the villains in both films because in the first one we get Kingpin as quote unquote the main antagonist, but we also see Doc Ock, we see Scorpion, we see Prowler and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then in this one, you know, we have Spot, but I think even though. In the comics and in the, these films, he's going to end up being the good one. In this movie, you have, there's a strong argument that Miguel is the bad guy. Yeah. Because of how he's, granted, he's, again, coming from a place of trauma and not being able to properly process that. But he is doing villainous things, even from coming from a place of what he thinks is the right thing to do. Maybe Miguel is Kevin Feige. <laughs> and Spider-Punk is breaking free of the establishment. Every story needs to go this way. You can't change it. This is how you do it. You know, Spider-Punk and Miles are like, no, we're going to do our own thing. <laughs> I'm going to do it, but not because you told me to do. Mm -hmm. that, that was a great quote. I did. I, I remember 
reading Spider-Man 99. So I was actually surprised that he kind of was the replacement for, I guess, what Madam Web would be, right? Because she was kind of in charge of the whole Spider-Verse in, in the comics. But you're right. He did feel like he was going to be bad, but he was another one that I'm like, he's not staying He's not staying a heel. Same. I just got that feeling with him and Spot. I felt the turn. I saw. I don't want to be Luke, where no one believes me that you see the good in him. But I saw on both of them. I just felt like there's going to be a turn. But maybe that, like you said, necessarily there might not be a heel that necessarily replaces that. Well, I think there's something. He's definitely lying about something. I yeah. feel like Miguel's lying about something because he already admitted to trying to taking taking somebody else's place right in the multiverse, which is kind of a weird thing. Uh, so there could be something that he's hiding. Well, here's a, and I forgot where I read this, but it was an interesting theory. So he already had the, uh, the time GPS gimmick, you know, for jumping around. He had that gimmick when he went and replaced that version of himself that died. And then he created that incursion, but that means he was already at least part of that time time cops to have that bracelet right so he was already in it so he has to be lying about something i don't know i mean i think i don't necessarily know if he's quote-unquote lying about anything i think that he has i think that he did the same thing that a lot almost i'll say this and it's another comparison to the mcu but (laughs) You know, in Civil War, when Tony realized that the actions that they were doing had a serious consequence, he overcorrected. Yep. Um, and did some things that maybe, you know, aren't necessarily the most heroic, but he thought he was doing it from a place of necessity and of doing the right thing. I think Miguel mirrors that a little bit. I think that call, yeah. he made a mistake that ended up causing the collapse of a world out of his own personal need. And instead of just acknowledging it and trying to do better he's doing that but i think he's doing an over correction to try and so now he's trying to almost craggle this universe (laughs) and try to make sure that everything stays exactly as it's supposed to be and so i don't necessarily i think in the end i think he's definitely not going to be the villain i think he's definitely going to have that moment spider-man are good I think that Spot could go either way i don't think he necessarily needs to be like the quote-unquote thanos that of the series i could see him becoming more of like an Anakin at the end of Jedi where he realizes the error of his ways and does like a a sacrificial act to try and save something. Yeah. Because they're making him way powerful, extremely powerful. Um, And specifically the way his power works, they're, they're amping it up now, especially with him going into the collider. He's almost got this almost like Thanos power style power. So I could see him being the only person who could stop himself, stop himself. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And he started off comedic, and that was a great callback too, right? He actually called out, I'm the one that got hit with the bagel. Bagel. Go go back and show him getting hit with the bagel. So that was cool. Uh, One part that I, you know, uh, again, I did love the canon moments again, and that kind of sticks with me. One twist that I did really, really like, obviously, was the... The spider wasn't supposed to be there, so it was from Universe 42, and then he got bit. So the wrong Miles got bit, you know, and became, he wasn't supposed to be the Spider-Man one, the one that became the Prowler that now has him tied up to the bag, was supposed to be the Spider-Man. Uh, I don't know, what you what do you guys think about 
if it happened, it was supposed to happen. I don't. And, I, I don't think that's the case, though. Right? It's, you think so? You think that's a swerve too? No, I don't think Miles was supposed to be. I think that spider from another dimension was supposed to bite Peter Parker in that dimension, not Miles Morales yeah, I, in that okay. dimension. Because I think that's the reason that there's only one Miles. Yeah. And like on all the Spider Verse, they're all Peters or yeah. Gwens, but he is the only. Miles and I mean technically she's the only Gwen, so we haven't oh, even so seen that. Oh, so I misunderstood that. that. I thought he was supposed to bite the the Miles that became the Prowler. No, because so since that's since the Spider from Forty Two came into the other universe and bit Miles, he wasn't there to bite the Peter Parker in that universe. So that's yeah. why there's no Spider Man. Right. Oh, oh, I so got Miles. You. Miles was destined to be the Prowler, possibly. No matter what, he was always circling the Prowler. The Prowler gimmick, but getting oh, I bit did not know that turned yeah. him into. So that spider left. That means they're, and that's why they're talking about the Sinister Six cartel, and they're just mm-hmm. that's basically just because there's, yeah, there's that's no... the Back to the Future Two universe. I that's what I felt like at the end of that. I'm like everything's wrong because the the timeline went way off. Yeah. Did they say who made that spider? Who brought that spider over? Did they ever say? They just said it glitched. Bagel guy. Well, I, well bagel guy well, did it. Well, yeah. part of yeah, he because he was talking about they were. It was in the initial test of the the collider when they were working on it. He that's why he says I made you because he oh, was responsible right. okay. for helping bring the spider into it, and it just happened to bite Miles because they were right at the collider. He got bit down in the tunnels right next to where the collider was. Right. So the spider escaped and bit him, and that was the, the what created him. What I loved, and I brought this up too. I was like, you know, it's almost kind of like a moment in Harry Potter when we learn about the Harry Potter prophecy about how. A child was going to be marked, and it it may not have been Harry who got marked to defeat Voldemort. Voldemort chose him, and so in another universe, it's Neville who's the hero, and Harry's the the oh. bumbling kid who grew up <laughs> with his parents and whatnot. Um, so I like that. I like you know, I don't know how much of it was set up from the first film, or if this was just really clever, ingenious writing to tie it all in. But I loved that they're setting up that story where an innocuous moment of a spider that looks like it's glitching that no one questioned is now the the catalyst for this whole entire universe and this whole story. Yeah, the butterfly effect. No, that was really cool, but I, I didn't put two and two together, and I do remember him saying it now, that he was, he, was the, he was the anomaly, he was the glitch, he always was, and maybe that's why Miguel's acting on that. Because he did seem like he wanted to lock him up, though, that he didn't want to destroy him, right? Like he just wanted to keep him locked up for like a certain period of time. Yeah. But he's having like trust issues. Yeah. He never, I mean, as angry as he is, he never, I don't think Miguel is a true villain. So he's not wanting to kill Miles or anything like that. But he, he sees Miles as the ultimate threat because he is the anomaly that started it all. And so instead of trying to, instead of trying to work with him, he's working against him thinking that that's the right course of action, but it's just not. Yeah. There has to be somebody above. I know, I, I, I don't, I know, Mario, you, th- you don't think that, don't you feel like there has to be something above that? Like that's kind of puppeteering all the spiders in the spider verse, or you think it's just time? Isn't, what is that giant spider called? That, that, that's the, the portal. It's called that giant spider is called something. It, it like drives the, the go entire, home machine. Yeah. It drives the entire spider time continuum oh the spider the web the universe web yeah that ties them all together yeah which in the comic i thought was run by madam web but i don't know if they're going to introduce her because 
Do you think they're doing that because they're trying to save her for the live action movie that they're making? I, I don't know. I mean, I just I don't really think there needs to be a big bad because I feel like this in this in this series, the villains are secondary to the story of the heroes. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're not they're they they're they're antagonists. But really, the story is about the heroes becoming who they are. And I think I think that the having that kind of overarching baddie is really is a product of the MCU. Yeah. Um, and but granted, it's in the in the comics there are things like that across both DC and Marvel and things like that. But I think that you know, for better or for worse, Marvel understood like you can have good villains, but they wanted that they needed a Thanos so that they could put together the Avengers. They knew that they wanted to build the team up. And you really you can't just have an entire team fighting a single a singular small villain. You can't have the Avengers fighting Whiplash yeah. or things like that. So they needed the Thanos for that, and that's why they need the Kang so that they can keep making the Avengers movies. I think this one, I don't think we're going to see a big bad. I think that we're going to stay kind of on that kind of lower level to where they've shown that the villains are interesting enough that they can throw a villain here and there and make them different and make them interesting and still tie it into the story. Yeah. No, I, I, I can, I can get behind that. Right. Because the, the best villains are the ones that don't, you know, that are not, well, I shouldn't say the best villains, the most common villains you run into do not think they're villains. Has there been anyone other than the Joker that's like literally just in it because he thinks even the Joker, Thought he was doing it for the right thing, that because he thought the world was a lost cause. I think villains that know their villains are cool, but I just feel like they don't do that that much, do they? Like, has are there any villains that are heels and they're okay with it and they like doing it, or they all think they're doing the right thing? I mean, Kingpin's pretty villainous in uh, the Spider Verse movie. He's just straight up when they when they spot Miles in the first movie, and he's just like, "Kill that guy." I think is it. But he was kind of built on trauma, right? Because of his family, losing his family. That was his motive. I mean, I think, he, I think that was just a byproduct, honestly. Think? I think he was already a bad guy before him because the reason that's he true. lost his family is because he was attacking Spider-Man trying to kill that's him. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, I mean, even in the MCU, we've seen some, if you look, you know, even Kang. Kang, who is like the, the new big baddie. You know, Thanos may have been killing half the population because he wanted to reserve resources and things like that. Kang is pretty much just wanting to conquer everybody. So he's not really... Yeah. His, some of his variants may not have that, but they even said, like the one in, in the end of Loki, when he's the, the one at the end of it all, he basically he says, remains. one of my variants is he's coming and you're not going to be able to do anything. So there are versions of Kang that are just strictly mindful of wanting to destroy and, and conquer and do all that kind of stuff. So they've... They've shown that they can do that, but I, I agree. I think the, the more interesting villains, for me, are the ones where they have some form of motivation other than just kill, kill, kill. I mean, Killmonger is one of the best villains that they've done. Um, and you can argue that maybe he wasn't a villain. He was doing villainous things, but he wasn't doing it from a point of, of wanting to like murder people. He was wanting... It was, it was still a vengeance tale, but it was the other side of that vengeance coin where he yeah. wasn't doing good good things because of vengeance he was doing bad things because of it yeah he was turned right he he didn't start off that with trauma trauma put him in that direction too so so you guys there's no chance you think you know going back to an mcu tie-in there's no chance since they're dabbling in the multiverse and they showed the timeline in the same shape that they did in loki you don't think there's a chance that kang has anything to do with this 
you think they're going to go they're moving away from marvel and won't even bring that up i don't think they will i think that you know in their live actions they may try and do stuff like that but i think with this i think they're making it their own little universe and i think that unlike dc they've been able to do it with they've been able to separate themselves and not have be tied into anyone else and do their own thing and be okay with it i like the idea and i i hope that's the direction they go what you suggested just keep this as its own trilogy of its own thing and i would be okay if it's considered canon but they don't touch it as much i feel like that's a a safe way to protect the property, yeah. protect the property I, from I, themselves. If we end up getting fifteen Spider Verse movies, I'm a hundred percent okay with that. <laughs> if they never tie in with the MCU, I think that they're, I think they are as of right now they're strong enough on their own that they can make it work. Here's a question: Are did they do so well that you do kind of like what DC did with James Gunn and just give Lord and Miller like you are in charge of our Spider Verse division? I mean the animated uh, division, maybe. Yeah, I think that Just could. Animated. I think that could easily be it. I don't think that. You know, it, it could go either way with the live action. We really don't know how that's going to go um, because they've made so much money from them now. I know that they may take it into like the same way they did with the rest of them. Like, oh, we know what we're doing. We got this. Um, I think that making Lord and Miller like the captains of a of a Spider Verse like a Favreau or a Feige, I think that would be the smart decision. Um, so I'm hoping that they're smart enough to make that decision. I um, hope so too. Yeah, Magic 8-Ball said, with the help of Marvel, <laughs> just maybe just a meeting, just like a collaboration meeting. I'm not saying you have to pay them more, pay them extra, but just have them, like, just run it by you. Again, we just, uh, I'm afraid, and maybe that's a bet, you know, Mario, we're just, this will tie back to what we were talking about with Quentin Tarantino. He called this like, He's not happy with how a lot of cinema is happening right now, the 80s part two. Maybe, like you said, maybe me being marvelized because we finally got everything. Just like you always dreamed of, right, when you're doing dream casting or dream booking. Like, what if you can get all these people that are part of the same universe in the same, same world? And then we finally got that. And now I feel like this was the first sign of it going outside of that world and then start to fracture and then we're going to have like four or five different universes but do you think maybe there's a side of that coin where that's okay i think that maybe i think it may be less of being marvelized and maybe being dcized because as of right now like sony with with these animated films they haven't had a misstep yet and so no, no. i think that Look, navigating all the missteps through the DC universe kind of has maybe influenced that a little bit. But I think that until Sony has a misstep, I don't think as of right now, they they haven't done anything to warrant needing Feige or that kind of MCU hand. You know, if that first movie had tanked and been awful, then yeah, maybe that's where you come and say like, hey, we need some help. But as of right now, as much as I love the MCU and, and Feige's hand specifically... I think that they're doing a good enough job where they are right now to where they don't need that. And I'm not worried about them becoming DC because they understand that they don't need to do that. They've already, they've built their world and so they can expand on it, but they don't have to worry about tying into all these random little things the way DC kind of tried to had to, you know, make it up as they went along. And it's different than Marvel creating. I mean, they're almost following the, the MCU model and, building the world and keeping it 
contained within their own universe and starting to sew the threads for all those things like that. And, you know, uh, I guess Magic Ace Ball says uh, Spider-Man was bad before Feige stepped in. And I got to say, I, I don't disagree with that statement, but I would say they were they were 50-50. They were 50-50 yeah. on Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man 2, the Tobey Maguire, is one of the best superhero movies made. Without a doubt. It's a fantastic and, film. And Spider-Man 3 is not as bad as everyone says. It's not Batman and Robin level bad. <laughs> I don't no. think anything ever will be that bad. <laughs> oh, no. but, but that entire <laughs> Spider-Man trilogy is, is pretty good. The, 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 uh, the, uh, what's the Adam Garfield ones, I did not see, honestly. Those just didn't really appeal to me. Um, well, that was, yeah, going in the different direct. That's when we first got Gwen, and I think that one, that one made it hit a little bit harder. Yeah. And I feel like for sure, but like not. Well, he was the first. I, th- I liked him better as Peter Parker because, A, he didn't look like he was 27 playing a teenager. <laughs> um, but I thought that they did a better job of, of he was a much better casting for Peter Parker. I think they cast Tobey Maguire to be Spider-Man and they cast Andrew Garfield to be Peter Parker. Oh, which I think point. was the wiser decision. He's a much better Peter Parker, which allows him to be a good Spider-Man. Um, and so I felt he was a little more grounded and a little more he he was closer to Peter in the comics that I read than Tobey Maguire was. True. Um, so that's why I like those movies better. I do think that that the Maguire ones had the way better villains. I mean, when you look at Green Goblin and Doc Ock and even I mean even Sandman. Well, I think really just good. from a yeah. filmmaking standpoint, they were. I think the Sam Raimi ones are way better. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're you can tell Raimi's hand at it. The first one is great. Second one is fantastic. I'm not as huge a fan of the third one. It's not Batman and Robin, but it's, it's not also, as bad as they say. It's all yeah. I'm saying. But it's, it's probably the weakest Spider-Man movie for me. Yeah. Um. And so you know. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's it's probably the weakest one. Yeah, Foggy definitely had a hand of of helping mold the Tom Holland films into what they are. Um, but I do think, I don't, I don't think that we'd be having, we wouldn't have the Tom Holland Spider-Mans if it weren't for Feige. I can admit that, but I don't think that Feige was necessarily as instrumental in this animated series as, at all, as, right? as, as, I mean, he had some slight input on things like that in the first movie and he was aware of it, but he wasn't there as a EP and stuff like that, dealing with that kind of stuff. And so um, I think that maybe he was an inspiration in terms of like, oh, you can make good movies, and, and this guy's been working on with all these interesting directors and stuff like that. So maybe inspiring that way. But I think that really Lord and Miller were kind of the ones who were like, this is something we're going to try for. Let's just do what we want to do the way they did with the Lego movie, and they just knocked it out of the park. Yeah, for sure. I don't like, I got to be honest. I think, I don't know that I love the Tom Holland Spider Man movies. That much. I just I feel like th- those were. I like the films themselves. I didn't really like the direction they took Spider Man in with this like Iron Man Junior kind of direction. You know, it didn't really feel like Spider Man until the very end of the trilogy. Oh, now he, yeah, you know that does I mean? feel like it feels like that all the films coming up to it was a, a weird, different origin story, and now we're getting back to street level spider-man it ended with him jumping out of the window with the sewing machine right there yeah back to underoos <laughs> and then you had the i mean feige kind of had he did he did great things but honestly it was like he was like he had all these other characters and things already set up to basically put tom holland over as spider-man yeah you know what i mean drops him right in the middle of civil war right in the middle of a fight underoos you know it yeah, wasn't just great. like you know he wasn't working at the daily bugle you know, uh, and they had to introduce him that way. They put him right in the middle of the huge fight, 
just, just plenty of room to just get him introduced and everybody likes him immediately. But I just thought it was a weird direction they took him. And I felt it especially in the uh, in the uh, second movie when he was just like Night Monkey, you know, oh, he, did, he did that whole sort of gimmick. And with the, I don't know, it just, it felt more Iron Man than Spider-Man. He well, had the Iron Man spider suit the whole time. And I think that was part of the... I think it could. I think it helped and also harmed. I mean, you know, you tie him in so closely with Iron Man that I think you kind of that first film is. You know, well, the first two films are basically dealing with him becoming who he is, and then having to deal with the trauma of losing Tony and stuff like that. So I think that. I think I think that's why the third one is so unique is because it's not having to deal constantly with that trauma of having to lose Tony. And so I think that that's why those first two movies, he is kind of like Iron Man Jr.'s because he's so closely connected with him. And this third one kind of allowed him to become, to kind of grow into his own a little bit more. And honestly, I feel without Enter the Spider-Verse, there is no Spider-Man No Way Home. That introduced the whole concept of that. And Feige jumped on that. Or like Sony wanted to do it. But, you know, without Across the spider or in the first Spider-Verse movie, there's no, we don't get no way home. It's possible, yeah. I mean, like they did feel like they can crack crack the code for sure. Magic Eight Ball was saying that Garfield was such a huge Spider Man fan that he had his heart into it. That helped. So I, you do have to be a fan. Yeah. <laughs> to, well, there's to actually do this a well. there's a great clip if you look online of um at one of the Comic Cons before they even filmed it where he basically does this bit where he's a member in the crowd dressed up as Spider Man going up to the mic to ask a question of the cat of the crew <laughs> and takes off his thing. And he was, he was, he was just a huge from a young age, Spider-Man fan. And, you know, I don't really think McGuire was much of a, I don't fan think of so. Either. No, I don't um, think he so, was. So, I mean, I, Tom is a heel. I heard do, do what <laughs> he's like a huge heel in Hollywood. Yeah. I th- I've heard that too. I don't think he was in. It. Yeah. He might. I don't think he was in it cause he was a huge fan. Although he did great. And, no way home. But I think that's why Holl- yeah. why Holland is such a good one. He's a huge yeah, he's a Spider-Man fan. fan as well too, and so I think that kind of helps you. You have a more personal attachment to the character specifically. I like Andrew Garfield, you know, because you know, Magic Eight Ball saying they might need uh, the new Spidey for the Young Avengers. I feel like one of my favorite animations growing up of Spider-Man was Spider-Man and his amazing friends with Iceman and Firestorm. You know, Firestar. And that was just like such a random collection because it was like it wasn't quite X-Men, but they always had cameos in there. And I feel like Andrew Garfield was the closest to that animated Spider-Man. But let me ask you guys this, because it really other than What If, which was a TV series, MCU hasn't dabbled into this. And into the Spider uh, Across the Spider-Verse made live action level money. Are you think this is going to embolden them to like take a swing at like a straight animated feature for theatrical release? I don't think so, honestly. I I think that for better or worse, I think Marvel Studios knows what they're good at. And I think that trying to do an animated film when they don't have an animated arm of their studio... No, they don't, no. um, You know, What If worked, um, but What If was a long time process for them you know sony's been doing animation for decades 
Um, and they've had their animation studios set up for a while now making other movies. Yeah. It just so happened that they took this IP that they had access to and made the film out of it. So I don't, I mean, and maybe in, you know, in 10 years time, we might start seeing some Marvel animated films, but I think at this point they're, they've got their hands full enough as it is trying to navigate live yeah, action movies and the, TV as well too. Right. The ship. And again, trying to bring in like a young Avengers. I don't think Spider-Man's going to be a part of that, but they're still, they're setting up young Avengers through the TV you know, world for right now anyways. So yeah, I really don't know if they're going to, I think it would be unwise for them to try and take that jump at least until we've had some distance. If the spider verse tr- ends up being a trilogy and that's it and they don't make any more, give it some time and then try to launch your own thing. But I think trying to make an animated film to in any way compete with this is just not going to work for them. No. And p- because they're going to be kind of behind because James Gunn's first DC project is Howling Commandos, which is an animated project. Now, it's not going to be a, a feature release. I'm guessing it's going to be on Max, but that is going to be something that he is tying together to that. So now, other than what if, they really don't have any animated property from a whole property that was born from animation, albeit from paper. <laughs> But it was still from artwork, so that's going to be interesting. If I, w- I was just wondering if they're going to be like, let's go in this direction. Here is something that they should consider, right? They're so busy trying to, you know, they're the Spider-Man rights that Sony has to pay up for them. Maybe they should farm out their animation to Stoney and say, hey, can you make us another animated for one of our other characters? It's not a terrible idea. <laughs> right? And just work in both directions. Because or look, maybe just, no maybe just walk across the lot and go to the Pixar office and be like, what thing are y'all working on? Whatever turning people's emotions into characters movie. Just like, can you do a superhero movie for us? How about that? Well, you know, they try, well Pixar tried and they kind of failed with Lightyear. That's not oh. a, that's not a Marvel superhero movie. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was Disney's version of a superhero movie, and so I think yeah, if Marvel, I think that would be the easiest and wisest for what they're doing right now is to go to even if they don't go to Pixar, going to because Pixar is is an animation, but it's also a storytelling thing. Yeah, they so are. So Pixar movies can look pretty, but if the story sucks, it doesn't matter. And Pixar has historically just been fantastic at story, and the animation tends to match. I think the wiser thing would be to go to Walt Disney Animation Studios. You know, they've made Frozen, they've made Tangled, they can show that they can do animation, and they've got a good handle on story, but I think that's a little more in the Marvel wheelhouse, whereas Pixar is going to want more control over the story. Walt Disney Animation Studios, I'm pretty sure, is like, oh, you want us to do a Spider-Man animated? Whoop, here you go, we'll do it. Tell us what you want us to do, and they'll do it. Well, either way, they've got two viable options there. All they got to do is get out of their office and take their golf cart across the lot and grab a coffee with somebody over there and just talk about what they can do. Yeah, Um, Shouldn't be that huge a deal. The bar is high. You know, I got to give it to Sony. Like you said, they knew the property they had. They actually did Miles on the Sony PlayStation first, right, before Into the Spider-Verse? Or was it right around the same time? Into the Spider-Verse was... Because Into the Spider-Verse has been four years now, and it was a three- or four-year process of making that. And the Miles Morales game is fairly... I mean, it's it's not it's not brand new, but it's been out for a little while. So but. they did. So again, so they, they already knew that they're like, maybe we needed to go with Miles instead of Peter. And they so far, they've done very right by Miles Morales, so we want to leave it that way. Well, I think it was also that it was the only one they had access to. They couldn't do... From what I can tell, they couldn't. They didn't have really the rights to do, quote unquote, Peter Parker with that. 
Um, and it was also a, oh, because man, because Marvel right. was working on doing the Spider-Man, I think that they chose Miles because it wouldn't conflict. And it's also a rich, interesting character. Yeah. And it, we've already seen Peter Parker in so many films. And I think that was what they did smart was they realized we don't need another Peter Parker Spider-Man. Let's find this new, let's take this new one and see what we can do with him. Definitely give him props for that. And they did, they did well. Uh, Magic 8-Ball, again, he asked that Marvel, if they already have the TV Spider-Man rights... I don't know. He said that Marvel Animation was founded in 2008. I don't know how much of the... Their animation is really good. Like, uh, they had an Avengers cartoon that was really good. I haven't watched all of them. So I don't know if these are considered canon like some of, of the other ones. But I think the X-Men 97 that's coming out, which is going to be a continuation that uh, Marvel's X-Men from the 90s, I believe, is going to be part of the canon but I'm not 100% sure because technically the mutants haven't really been officially introduced other than a few drops here and there. You're a mutant, you know, you have a gene. So I don't know, but again, maybe they don't want to bite the style and just kind of like let this ride out because in the end, it still says in association with Marvel Studios. So you can say, yeah, that's one of ours. But I, I think it's, you know... I have more heat with Sony than I would with this trilogy. And I think Marvel would just be better off saying, yes, that's canon. We're, we can't top that. I don't think, because I don't know if they can beat that. And not in the shape that they're in right now. They're just, they're spread too thin and they got too they're, many fronts that they're trying to battle kind right of, now. They're kind of directionless and they've got a lot of bad stuff going on behind the scenes. Yeah. Honestly... Um, I don't know if you, they, they just posted that Tom Holland's taking a year off from acting. So Spider-Man saw that Spider-Man's not happening anytime soon, but I think, I think he went to see Spider-Verse and was like, uh, they don't really just takes time <laughs> off. But I think right now the writer's strike is going to be the best thing that happens to them because they're going to have to pump the brakes on everything yeah. and rethink things. You know what I mean? They were uh, ahead of their skis for a long time. And I think it's left them kind of directionless. Their last, I mean, I, I, I honestly, I, Guardians, I think I, I just, I scoop that out of the MCU and make it its own thing because I feel those movies stand, yeah. those movies stand alone. Uh, the, the scenes that where the Guardians are in like Avenge, uh, the Avengers and all that stuff like that feel different than the actual Guardians movies. Yeah. Um, so they're their own magical. thing. But like, um, aside from that, like they're, the last few movies have been pretty lackluster, I think. Um, they're just kind of like, they seem, directionless they don't know where they're going and i think they're going to be forced to pause that might be good for them yeah I, you might be right uh, unfortunately like magic eight ball said it's going to hurt deadpool you know because they, they they finally got to a point where they can do something but in a way all the other projects probably do need to be reeled back a little bit one more thing before we take a break did you guys expect or do you think it's necessary to have tom holland officially make some kind of voice cameo in the final beyond the spider verse to tie it together or not i don't think it's necessary honestly um that's why I, I think that's one of the reasons why he wasn't shown at all even in the live action stuff they showed garfield they showed toby yeah they did they showed even the venom universe and things like that, that. was cool i did not expect that at all <laughs> and, and they pulled from some of the other spider-man stuff like the animated series and things like that having those characters pop up but they didn't ha have him i don't know if, i think that might be a rights issue i mean they may not have the rights to do that yeah um, because it's technically an mcu slash sony collaboration 
Um, but I don't really think it's necessary. No, that's what I was curious about. If you, Mario, what do you think? You think it's? I don't think it's necessary in any way. And honestly, no. I think now, uh, I think Tom Holland is falling behind as the most beloved Spider-Man. I think Miles is is leapfrogging him now. He's cooler. He's more relatable. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I agree. He's got a wider appeal. I don't know. I think that before this is all over, Tom Holland's going to be calling his agent saying, um, can I get in that Spider-Verse movie or what? You got any more of them Spider-Verse roles? <laughs> I do agree. I it, it, it hit me. It hit me actually walking out of theater that I realized this is now this generation's Spider-Man. This is, this is one that parents that are kids right now that become parents are going to be taking their kids to like, this was my introduction to Spider-Man. And then, and I don't mean that. And that's a good thing. That just, again, like you always said it, you know, the rising tide raises all boats. That means Spider-Man is going to continue to be in the zeitgeist now, not because of Tom, because of Miles Morales. This is going to be there. So I went to uh, box lunch. You have you been in that store? And they had Spider-Man stuff. And I was like, that's a cool Spider-Man jersey. And on the back of it, it said Morales. <laughs> so the, the shift has changed. So what a weird turn in the Spider-Man rights story that I never would have saw coming. Like, fine, we'll, we'll make a movie with you. We'll share Spider-Man. And then Sony launches Miles. And now they feel like they have the Spider-Man power more than mcu does and i would have never guessed that yeah i think they've they've got something special they're killing it with spider-man um they can do it again they can they can bring in like i said i don't think they should rush to make this live action i don't think they should be in any kind of hurry we've got spider-verse 3 coming out and then they could do maybe a spin-off spider gwen when My miles does a cameo who knows there's but there's time because when they if, if when it gets to live action it's gotta they've gotta nail it you know, yeah. got to get the right director. They've got to get the right writers, the folks to make it feel authentic. That's what this movie, to me, makes it so special. Just feels like it feels New Yorky more than any other <laughs> Spider-Man movie. Yeah. You know, you're a hundred percent right about that. They Spider-Man always. I just remember being a Mark growing up reading the comic books, like LaGuardia Airport. They're talking about our airport. Like it's it was always screamed. New York. And it's not even so much a New York thing as to it. It's specifically, it has a very Brooklyn feel to it. Yep. Yeah. It's more like, it's it's like when all the scenes of like going into the bodegas and things like that, that's, granted it's a New York thing, but that's predominantly like a one, it's a Burroughs thing. It's getting into Brooklyn and seeing that kind of the culture differences and things like that. And so I think they've done a good job of really setting that apart even more than the, I mean, the, the Spider-Man, you know, the Tom Holland films do it a little bit. But I think that this, in these animated films, that the character of Brooklyn is almost a character in itself. Yes, I agree. And they've done such a good job of incorporating that and keeping him out of the, you know, I mean, they've done some iconography showing on the buildings and whatnot, but like almost all the buildings are specifically Brooklyn's buildings that he's in. So it kind of, it does feel big, but it also feels very self-contained and it kind of makes Brooklyn its own character. As soon as you said bodega, my mouth started watering. I just wanted a buttered roll. <laughs> I just wanted a buttered roll with butter. <laughs> Mari, I think I heard you say, so the rumor is March 2024. So that means this one is almost done. 
the Beyond the Spider Verse. I think they were they were making them together. Yeah. Okay. So now they're it's probably pretty much done. Because originally it was going to be a part one and part two about a year apart, and so I think I mean they've pretty much they've pretty much got this next one locked. I think they're going to do some fine tuning and stuff like that. But I think that yeah they've pretty much had it because I think right as of right now they're saying March twenty fourth or something like that is wow tentatively. I mean they're you know who knows what could happen with. B Rose, I know I don't think Jeff is feeling the vibe, but I, I had to I told him immediately and tell me what you think for my hot take. I think this is best picture candidate, best picture nomination. Oh, it could absolutely be, I think. I I don't know if it will, because they've historically not done it, but I think this could absolutely be a best picture contender. Just best in terms picture of nom, because it's I, I it's think, a it's a lock, it's winning best animated. Oh yeah, it's it'll sure. it'll but win can best you do, animated. Can you do both? You can. You, you can't. can't you Beauty, can't Beauty and the Beast uh, did both back in the day, but it didn't win Best Picture, but got nominated for both. Oh, so I, you think it will be nominated? I think it'll get nominated for Best Picture. I think this is going to be hard to beat. They do 10 movies now or eight movies? 10. They can yeah. do up, 10. up to 10. Up to 10. I right? think this is going to be really hard to top this year. I mean, we're halfway through the year here. What else? What is, what is the big contenders at the moment? I mean, here's the thing animation could be tough because Super Mario Brothers is right there, and people love Super Mario Brothers. Um, I was pretty iffy on Super Mario Brothers, but people really, really connected with that. They did. Emotionally. Like, people had waited their entire lives to see a Super Mario Brothers movie, <laughs> you know? But um, I think it's going to get nominated for Best Picture. I just, It just feels a cut above all other movies this year. Um, we've still got Oppenheimer and Barbie, so we, things could swerve. Uh, Mission Impossible. But, um, yeah, I... I, I I would be I'd I'd be down to bet, uh, whatever a bodega a bodega yeah, beef butter patty. roll butter <laughs> roll <laughs> uh, that it's going to be one of the pictures nominated for the, in the top eight. Yeah, I did. I don't know. I it's it's possible. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I bet it just, but I I'd still want to roll either way. <laughs> You'll get that roll. <laughs> 